Welcome to Bioethics On Air, the program that brings you thoughtful, in-depth commentary on ethics at the crossroads of science, medicine, and daily life. I'm Joe Zalot, your host. We are a broadcast of the National Catholic Bioethics Center in Philadelphia. In our last podcast, I spoke with Doug Wilson, Chief Executive Officer of the Catholic Benefits Association, or CBA. Doug and I discussed a number of issues, but perhaps the most relevant was the many services that CBA offers to Catholic employers. Today, we continue this discussion with two further members of the CBA team, Shannon Sizek, Director of Human Resources Consultative Services, and Jason Kuhn, Vice President of the Catholic Insurance Company. Shannon will discuss how CBA supports human resources professionals within Catholic organizations, and Jason will speak about challenges that Catholic employers face concerning health insurance and the health insurance plan that CBA offers its members. Shannon and Jason, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Joe. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys being here as well, too. So I, uh, as our regular listeners know, I ask this question of every new guest on our podcast, and you're both new guests, so welcome again. But can you please tell our listeners a bit about your background, specifically your education, your work experience, and your present position at CBA? Shannon. Sure. Um, I'm a, a SHRM certified HR professional. I have about 20 years of experience in human resources, and um, I've had the chance to do that for Catholic and non-Catholic employers and for-profit and non-profit organizations. Um, and my educational background is in business and in human resources. Um, so at the CBA, I'm the director of HR consultative services, uh, as you mentioned, which really means that I get to work with the HR professionals at our uh, member organizations and kind of understand what they need and um, provide um, some documents as well as some HR consultation. Excellent. Jason. Hey, Joe. Uh, I am... Um... I have my degree in healthcare administration. Um, I uh, spent 23 years with uh, one of the larger health insurance companies in our uh, in the United States, Aetna. Um, most of that time was working in uh, customer service as well as account management and sales, as well as their technology space. Uh, towards the end of my career with them, um, and uh, I worked on small business, mid-sized business, all the way up through national accounts, large jumbo cases, um, and helping uh, those employers with their health plan decisions um, and forecasting for the future of the health of their population. Um, what I do for the CBA, I'm the vice president of the Catholic Insurance Company. Uh, the Catholic Insurance Company um, is a small, nimble uh, insurance company, and uh, our foray into the uh, health insurance space, health medical plan space, um, is a new program that we've built uh, that I've helped to create called the Genesis Healthcare Program. And we'll talk about that uh, yep. later in the podcast. Yep. Yes, we will. All right. So let's let's start with Shannon. and Let's talk a little human resources for a while. So Shannon, if you would, in general, what does a human resources professional do in a Catholic organization and how does CBA support them? Um, well, uh, an HR professional in a Catholic organization really does 
the same things that a non-Catholic HR professional does. Um, and that's going to involve all of the employment life cycle um, type of activities. So these would be things like um, everything from recruitment to training, um, employee development, retention, leadership, coaching, looking for compliance opportunities, that kind of thing. The thing about being a Catholic HR professional is that there's this added responsibility then um, of the, the need to approach all of those areas with a Catholic perspective and then to weave in the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church um, in their employment practices. So the CBA supports Catholic organizations in this area specifically by providing um, things like template document documents, by providing template documents such as job descriptions and interview guidance, uh, as well as making available to them human resource consultation. So if one of our member organizations, HR folks, were to run into something that they weren't familiar with how to apply a Catholic approach to their HR practices, then they have the opportunity to um, get a hold of us and we kind of work through the best way to handle those situations. So Shanna, what kinds of Catholic employers do you work with? Are you working with dioceses? Are you working with schools? Are you working with religious communities? What, who, who is, who's your clientele? Sure. Um, that really runs the gamut. Um, so we do have um, diocesan member employers, um, K through 8, K through 12 schools, religious communities. Um, and we also have for-profit Catholic employers. So these oh, really? would be, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So they would be uh, maybe some small Catholic businesses, a physician's office, a Catholic physician's office, um, radio networks, those kinds of employers. Oh, interesting. So Shannon, what uh, specific human resources related questions do you get from these various constituencies? That's a good question. Um, a Catholic employer's identity as a Catholic employer or Catholic organization um, is truly core to who they are and what they do. And so when we look at human resources practices in general, um, we need to take an opportunity to weave in Catholic identity into these employment practices. And so when we're talking about things like job descriptions, for example. Um, and I might get a question from a Catholic employer saying, you know, how do we work in um, our Catholic identity into a job description? Or could you take a look at this job description and tell us what it might be missing or what it might need? Um, some of the things that I see are things like, um, how do we talk about inviting a candidate into a new position and identifying where they're where they are actually a catholic in good standing or a practicing catholic mm -hmm. um, and looking for opportunities to work that into job descriptions um, being able to interview i get questions from employers about yeah. what kind of questions can they ask in an interview in regard to to faith um, and in regard to practicing faith right and probably what questions you can't ask Right. And um, usually that's what we're concerned about or what most of our employer organizations are concerned about is, hey, we're a religious organization, but what does that really mean for us in terms of the rules? You know, how is the law different for us um, than it might be from a, a non-Catholic employer situation? Right. 
Yeah, it's a special situation. So, so you mentioned language in terms of various documents and everything else, and I'd like to like to hone in on that a little bit. So, what kind of language should Catholic employers have in their various human resources document, and why is this language essential? Well. The courts have said um, that an organization to identify itself as a religious organization, and in our case, a Catholic one, um, that an organization must document its religious identity and its values um, in order to demonstrate sincerity. Um, And that's how a Catholic organization gets to take advantage of the legal protections, um, assuming that they're a CBA member. So, This means we're looking at things like a a potential statement of faith, a code of conduct, the human resources architecture, like job descriptions, et cetera, um, where it's really going to outline things like, um, you know, this particular position requires that the incumbent be uh, Roman Catholic in good standing, or that they have the capacity to um, contribute to the faith formation of the, the folks that they lead, depending on the position. How about employee codes of conduct? Does that, how, do, how does that play into this? So an employee co- code of conduct might involve um, some activities both inside the workplace and outside the workplace. Um, and a Catholic employer can um, articulate its um, Catholic identity through requiring its employees or um asking its employees to uphold the mission of the organization and the reputation and the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. And that can be part of a code of conduct for employees to sort of um, give them some guidelines in how they behave both inside and outside the workplace. Are those, uh, this language and, you know, in the HR documents and these codes of conduct, are they more and I'm, I'm not sure this is the right word, but are they more applicable to a, say, a nonprofit, say a school or a diocese, than they would be for a for-profit company? In other words, is, is there a dis, is there a distinction between the two in terms of what you're what you're saying here? So that's interesting that you ask that, and and I hear from both both camps on that. Um, I hear from schools that they are different and that. Um, their circumstances are unique. And then I hear from for-profit Catholic employers that they are different and their circumstances are unique. And really the answer is the same. And that is um, a religious, an employer that is identifying itself as a religious employer or a Catholic organization, if they're making that clear in their mission um, and articulating their Catholic identity throughout, then they can actually um, identify themselves as an organization that can discriminate based on religion. That doesn't mean that the other rules don't apply to that employer, but it does actually just mean that um, as long as they've articulated their Catholic identity, that they can um, hire based on faith. Right. And I know that this is a this is an incredibly unfair question because you're not a lawyer, um, but just with the the recent Supreme Court decisions in say Bostock and even in Our Lady of Guadalupe, those cases, 
this it's a little bit up in the air in terms of where religious organizations are in terms of being able to hire or not hire or dismiss employees for you know issues of sexual orientation or gender identity have any of these questions come up uh, or come across your desk i mean granted the supreme as we're recording this is those supreme court decisions are still relatively new but i'm just wondering if have people asked questions about that or have these issues um, been brought up to you they have, of course. Um, and and I'll say we've recently, um, the CBA has recently done a webinar that that sort of outlines a Very lot good of one. The, the details um, on how some of those rulings might come across and how they're interpreted. Um, you know, there's still definitely a lot of questions and we'll see more of that come out as cases come up um, moving forward. But um, our guidance really sticks in terms of legal protections. And so when we're talking about Catholic identity and taking the opportunity at every turn to articulate that in everything from mission to um, conduct to performance evaluations, um, this is how we can work in all of those, um, the, the nuances that come with um, being a Catholic employer specifically or a religious employer specifically. Now, when we get into things like ministerial exception, um, we work most of that into a job description or employment contract um, that's going to articulate how a person um, in the role that they're an incumbent um, for um, that they are a person who personifies the beliefs of the organization, that they convey the organization's message, um, that they carry out its mission. I mean, these are folks that are often responsible for teaching or training um, the faith and and helping to form either direct reports or students, um, depending on the case. Yeah. So bottom line is make sure you identify yourself clearly and repeatedly as a Catholic organization in all of these various documents. Exactly. All right. A little earlier in the interview, you you mentioned something about incorporating Catholic teaching into HR policies. And I was wondering if you could talk about that. So how can Catholic teaching, specifically even maybe the catechism, be incorporated into human resources materials? Yeah, that's something that um, we're actually looking a lot at right now, and that is um, providing some catechesis for HR professionals to this end. Um, because when we're talking about Catholic identity, we're talking about um, articulating an organization's adherence to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church, we aren't really making, we're not just making those up. You know, we have some really good source material and that being the catechism of the Catholic church, um, canon law. And those are the sources that we can actually cite in our job descriptions um, and in mission um, if it's appropriate. So one example that I would make is that when we, if we have a position that we're hiring for, or we have someone that's in a position and we've identified that the person in that role really does need to be a practicing Catholic um, or a Roman Catholic in good standing. So we would never want to give the impression that we just, that that's a subjective thing, that we just decide what that looks like. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church actually gives us the precepts um, and tells us that 
that someone that is a Catholic in good standing is someone who leads a life of faith, that's from canon law, by fulfilling the precepts of the church, as noted in, and we can cite the paragraph that that comes from, that's from paragraph 2042. And um, and so in the way that you would cite any other um, source, a legal document, we can use the, um, the catechism as our source material and articulate that. And it just continues to fortify that foundation of, of Catholic identity. Right. I'm wondering what, uh, and, and I don't know how much you've done this, done with this already, but I'm wondering what the reaction is of HR professionals when you're, you know, sending policy or, or you know, HR uh, document templates and there's references to the catechism. Are, are, are people asking questions about that? Uh, do you mean questions in terms of, are we allowed to include this or should we include this? No, just in terms of, wow, I never knew this was here. How come, you know, how come you're putting, how come you're including this? Oh, right. Um, so we've, we've had a really, some really interesting experience. Um, and I, I think some of this comes from the fact that as HR professionals, speaking of myself as well, um, we're trained, um, a lot in um, things like how does employment law or how does compliance look in our work environments? And we're not spending a ton of time on faith formation for business professionals. Right. And this has been something that's come up where, um, you know, when I'm talking about Catholic identity with one of our member organizations, HR pros, and he or she says, well, you know, how do I know what this is or where do I get this information? And it is sort of like a light goes on sometimes that while we have really concrete information that tells us how to define this um, and a little bit of surprise that we can take these business practices and apply our faith to them. And I'm talking a lot also, I'm talking a lot about the job description, which um, to really any HR professional is going to recognize that that's at the core of so much of what we do. But human resources practices, employment practices in a Catholic environment aren't limited to that. And so really, we we want to take the, the whole spectrum of good employment practices, good relationships that an employer has with its employees. Um, are built on things like good feedback and performance reviews and handling difficult conversations. And right. so if we have good material that can we can draw from the catechism um, or from the Bible or from canon law um, that we can apply to some of those, we always encourage our HR folks to look for ways to weave that in. Yeah. And it's a great form of evangelization as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so true. So Shannon, how does a Catholic employer hire for mission? Well, mission really is, um, even for a non-Catholic employer, is, is something that we want to tie our employees' objectives to. Um, and so when we look at building a job description, we're going to take a look at that job description and make sure that what's, what we're talking about in the job description um, directly relates to mission of the overall organization. And so, and it's kind of at every level of the organization, really. So, for example, if you take um, uh, the mission of a Catholic school, just for conversation, um, you might have something that has a statement that says, uh, you know, we believe that this school should provide through example and instruction, a community in which students experience faith and hope that witness the gospel values of Jesus Christ. So that's just an example. Right. Um, 
But then when we move over to the job description, what we want to do is we want to see in that job description is the work that's being outlined there, the the overall responsibilities, um, the background of those individuals, does that speak to that mission? And so if your mission carries on to say that the staff in general must seek to educate the whole child with compassion and care in, um, in response to their spiritual, intellectual, social, emotional needs, is that something that's in the job description um, in a way that it speaks to the Catholic mission of the overall organization? So making sure that job responsibilities tie to sort of this higher um, overarching goal of the organization. Yeah, that sounds great. I, and I, as you were speaking, I was just reflecting on, well, I've, I've worked for organizations that, um, well, they were Catholic, but uh, they didn't hire for mission. And um, I could tell stories, but I won't. But it, it is, it's so important to do that, um, having that mission. Last question for you, and then we'll move on to Jason. But Shannon, if there's one thing you would tell a Catholic employer to do today, what would it be? I would suggest, um, I would heartily suggest uh, that Catholic employers really look at um, where they've taken the opportunity to articulate Catholic identity. Um, Catholics are Catholics 100% of the time. Um, and we so hope. we hope, and <laughs> particularly in a Catholic business environment, um, whether it's you know any type of a Catholic business environment, we want to take the opportunity to to look at our mission. Is it articulated in our mission that we are Catholic? And if it is, then there shouldn't be any corner of the organization that that doesn't get um, communicated. And so my suggestion um, for Catholic employers is that they're able to see and define um, their own Catholicism in all of their documents, in the way that they treat people. Um, if, they're, uh, if they talk about being family oriented, hey, we're a Catholic employer, we're family oriented. Do you have a parental leave policy that, that supports that? Um, and just to really just take that Catholic lens and apply it to everything that you do. And, and that helps to solidify um, the opportunity for the legal protections um, that come with identifying yourself as a Catholic employer. Sounds great. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Joe. All right. Let's change gears a little bit and we'll pick up with, uh, with Jason Kuhn and talk a little bit about health insurance. Jason, are you still with us? I am. Thanks, <laughs> I didn't want you to fall asleep as I, as we were talking to Shannon at all. But anyway, so so Jason, you are um, the vice president of the Catholic uh, Insurance Corporation. So I was wondering, first off, if you can tell us, why did CBA create an insurance program and who's eligible for it? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, our insurance program was created uh, from an express need from our CBA membership. Uh, they had reached out to our CEO, Doug Wilson, uh, some time ago and expressed the need for a more cost-effective, administratively easy solution that also featured an improved Catholic experience. Okay. Um, so we call our program Genesis, and we designed it by, as Shannon talked about, reviewing um, uh, 
programs, policies, benefits through a Catholic lens. And that's exactly what we've done is, is viewed uh, our healthcare program uh, through a Catholic lens. And what we saw in looking at some of our member employer groups plans uh, was an immediate need to bolster the Catholic identity within those health plans and really to fill some benefit gaps um, that varied from our, from our faith. Uh, as far as who's eligible, it's any CBA member employer group that is on a self-funded platform. And by self-funded, I mean they've got the reserves built up or a bank of money built up to fund their own medical claims. So if they can be or are on a self-funded uh, platform, that's that's what Genesis is built on. Okay. Now, you brought up a number of things that I'd like to ask you about uh, from that last answer. First one, why is Catholic identity important in a healthcare program? Yeah, I, I think for a couple of reasons, Joe. Um, first, we, we currently stand in a cultural, legal, and political storm. And, uh, you know... That's an understatement, by the way. Yeah. Look no further than, as you and Shannon were talking about, the legislative and regulatory decisions that were made in the past month. Right. And as the fallout from those decisions begins to take shape, you know, further employer benefit pressures are, are sure to follow. Um We've seen this in the past, and with that, you can ensure that Catholic identity within, you know, an employee benefits program, ensuring that that is seamless and defensible is really now more important than ever. Absolutely. And secondly, I'd say we've allowed the, the insurance companies to set the standard and status quo as far as plan language and benefits is concerned, um, and and when we've discussed this with insurers um, as to you know how they interpret benefits or whatnot, the answers usually are, well, this is as close as we can get, or we don't know how to do it as it relates to your faith. And Catholic employers deserve better than that. And you know, not doing so in today's world puts them at risk. Um, and and our goal is to create is to focus in, zoom in on that area and ensure that we're removing that risk out of our program uh, as, as we bring that to the table and bring that to, to as a solution for Catholic employers in the self-insured space. Yeah. Now, Jason, I don't know if you're going to address this a little bit later on, but I do want to make sure that we uh, mention it. And that's the, um, the relief that CBA and CBA members have received from the Obama administration contraception and uh, sterilization coverage mandate, and I was wondering if you if you could just briefly mention it. If, if as I said, you may have, you may we're going to talk about it later, but I just really want our listeners to know um, this absolutely fantastic benefit that CBA has. Yeah, so the 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 CBA has achieved. Uh, Religious freedoms against the the CASC mandates. That's an acronym that stands for contraception, abortifacients, sterilization, and the counseling services thereof. Uh, they've received uh, permanent injunctive relief against those mandates, um, allowing employer groups, uh, Catholic employer groups, who are a part of um, the the CBA, to not have to offer those services. It also relieves the over $6 billion in penalties that uh, have accrued thus far for those employer groups. And the great thing is about the, 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 the uh, relief that we've received for our membership is that not only is it for Catholic employers, but it's also for their 
uh, insurers or their TPAs, third-party administrators, uh, and any new members coming on board. So anyone that joins the CBA, those those fines, those fees um, are automatically um, uh, removed through the protections that we've received as, as part of that. Yeah. And this is really important just in terms of, I mean, what could happen in, you know, with the 2020 presidential and congressional elections. I mean, the, this, the mandate could come back. And as I understand it, this protection is in the future. It's perpetual in the future. Correct? Correct. Great benefit. All right. So earlier on, uh, you mentioned uh, gaps in health insurance plans for Catholic employers. So as you and CBA look at the health insurance plans of various Catholic employers and your members, what gaps have you noticed? Well, what we found is gaps in particular within the language and the definitions within a health plan around particular benefit options. Um, insurers often use standard language and, and their definitions can vary from that of the church or Catholic teaching. And I, our goal is really to help close those gaps and reduce further risk. I, I can give you an example of yeah, please uh, do. one health plan that um, the, the coverage under abortion said that um, abortion is a non-covered benefit except when mom's life is in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, when we pushed the insurance company for their definition of that, it boiled down to therapeutic abortion, which, as we reviewed with your organization, NCBC, and, and the ethicists um, of your organization, it's still not good enough. It's not, it, it still involves abortion. Um, and our recommendation is to remove coverage from abortion from the health plan um, to its entirety. Um, but when we did a push back on the insurer, they were like, help us write this. Help us uh, help us make this different. This is as close as we can get. Right. Um, and the, the win there is that we now have the opportunity to write policy for them. And Shannon talked about the catechesis uh, policy within um, job description, et cetera. Uh, there's an opportunity, and I'm working with, uh, again, with your organization on creating policies within abortion, contraception, end-of-life care, et cetera, writing policy for an insurance company that includes um, the commandment, thou shall not kill, include, <laughs> um, you know, include the, the, um, uh, the, the catechism um, and the areas of the catechism where abortion is stated, the ERDs, including those in there, so that not only are you you applying the appropriate coding to pay this better as an insurance company, but you're also providing the church's stance and teaching on that particular area. I, I think it's extremely important. I think it's missing in today's um, world. And at the end of the day, uh, when a health plan has that and they go to audit at the end of the year um, around some of these benefits, they can be assured that those those uh, teachings are right there in front of everyone uh, when they're reviewing these claims and services. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. And, I, and I'm very happy the NCBC is working very closely with CBA on that. So Jason, uh, let's talk about the plan a little bit more. Does the CBA, the Genesis plan, come with increased costs to employers? So when we've negotiated um, this program with our partners, and our partners are uh, United Healthcare, UMR, OptumRx. Um, we base those on the size of the CBA. 
So the CBA is almost 100,000 lives uh, as far as a membership group is concerned, employee lives. So when we negotiated that service, we, we based it on the size of the CBA. What that does is it leverages size to get better pricing, which means that our pricing will uh, typically be better than uh, an employer that's negotiating by themselves. So it should be when we re- have reviewed this against existing uh, employer Catholic employer groups with existing health plans, uh, our cost has been um, better in most in many cases um, because we leveraged on a on a greater size. Um, you know these are United Healthcare. Uh, UMR, which is a third-party administrator, and, and OptumRx are, are some of the largest uh, healthcare experts in in the in the nation right now, um, and uh, they're they're excited about this partnership in that um, they want to bring the best possible solution to Catholic employers, uh, and they've granted us. Uh, the flexibility to allow flex and change inside those policies, procedures, et cetera, uh, to bring a better Catholic experience to our employer membership. That's actually really interesting. And, and I, as again, as you were speaking, I wanted to ask you about this. I, I was wondering how does, you know, these very large, as you said, um, you know, Optum and, and, and others, these are big companies. And how did they react when CBA first approached them with this idea? Were they supportive? Did they did it take a while? And and it just it, it kind of how did that relationship build? Well, when we approached them originally, we asked them for you know that one of the things that we would want is flexibility within the coding, within the plan language, etc., to be able to better reflect our faith. But also, we we had a conversation with them around the risks in today's world that Catholic employers face. Um, and when they started to understand that risk, um, you know, they know look, they know that every every group that they um, serve has specific needs, has a specific culture, um, and they have to adapt to that. Uh, I think we push them harder mm-hmm. on the faith component and push them to to see the risks involved with not better aligning with the faith. And look, these are these are businessmen and women, entrepreneurs looking to do the best that they can for their constituents and for their um, customer base. And they saw the uh, they saw the opportunity to just better serve. Wow, great. All right, I'd like to change gears a little bit and talk about something that we at the NCBC are, are are dealing with in terms of our Catholic Identity and Ethics Review Program, and that's insurance code. So, Jason, I was wondering if you could talk to us a bit about, about insurance codes and how illicit or immoral practices can be hidden in insurance plans. Yeah, sure. Um, well, when we talk insurance codes, uh, we're talking about uh, ICD-10 coding. Um, that's that's insurance, medical billing, coding, um, referred to as International Classification of Diseases, the 10th edition or revision. Um, it, it's, an, it's a system that's used by healthcare providers to classify and code diagnoses, symptoms, and procedures in conjunction with care provided in the United States. Um, what we've uncovered uh, were instances where the medical claim coding that comes in on medical claims needs to be changed within the insurance coding systems to ensure that 
not only claim accuracy, of course, but um, that are more reflective of our faith. So what we've worked with your team on uh, is uh, both from an ethical standpoint. So take, for example, contraception, for, for example. Um, what is the coding? What are the instances where that may or may not be covered? And then what is the coding around that to either allow or disallow or deny uh, those those services that would be more applicable with our Catholic faith? And then working with the insurance company to build that into our program so that uh, when the switch is flipped and, and claims start coming in, the coding behind the scenes is accurate the way we want it, and it's auditable on an annual basis. What we want to be able to do is bring that to the to the leadership of that organization and to the bishop at the end of the year and say, hey, we didn't pay anything illicit. Mm -hmm. As far as illicit services are concerned, um, I think what we've done is we've partnered with Catholic Medical Association as well um, and their their team of um, leaders and and physicians to say – we want to know, because you've worked both in the secular space and you've got your own practices in, in, in Catholic healthcare. We want to understand those areas where physicians physicians can code around things, right? Their, their offices can code around, for example, um, uh, prescribing uh, contraceptive medications for acne. Is that okay? Is it not okay? And to, to look for those um, ahead of time um, so that we can catch them at the gate interested in. And, and honestly, I think these relationships between NCBC um, and Catholic Medical Association, bringing Catholic ex- experts into our health plan solution, helping to provide an even greater Catholic medical health plan experience is what we need today. Yep. So how does the Genesis plan and really CBA as a whole help an organization to maintain its Catholic identity? Well, I think Shannon did a great job in, in sharing sort of how the CBA does that, um, and, and in particular in HR practices. I think from a Genesis or health plan perspective, it's really about taking a step back and looking at the entire plan and language through a Catholic lens, as Shannon mentioned as well. Um, staying focused on our faith and having open discussions with our partners to help them understand the risks involved. We kind of talked about that already. As they understand the risks involved, um, they want to help and want to help redefine things and be more flexible and help us to move from that insurance standard to what I would call a new Catholic standard. Um, That's what really what we want to create is a new Catholic standard across the board that Catholic employers can plug and play and ensure that their plans are upholding uh, the faith and teachings of the church and improving the Catholic identity that Shannon so greatly talked about. All right, Jason, I'm going to ask you to, to get out your crystal ball and look into the future. So we have the 2020 elections coming up, which we mentioned briefly before. What specific future challenges do you see Catholic employers facing in terms of their health insurance programs, particularly in light of how the 2020 elections uh, could turn out? And how does Genesis address these challenges? Yeah, I I think you're going to continue to see what we already are seeing is that shift from federal mandates into each state as it continues to develop um, its own state health care program laws and mandates, right? 
Um, with the election coming up, I, I, we've already seen signs of what challenges are are up ahead, right? Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden, has already confirmed what he's going to do with the Little Sisters of the Poor after after their win. He's going to revoke their win. Um, so we can see what the um, we can already see what we face ahead of us. Uh, you know, our parent company, the Catholic Benefits Association, is on the front lines of this. They're they're standing firm with Catholic employers and are prepared for that next legal challenge, whatever it is. And I would say that you know, Catholic employers, if you're not already a member, should look into our organization for those protections um, as we um, are ready for that for that challenge. Uh, from a Genesis program and a Catholic uh, insurance company perspective, I would say that we're really sure, working to shore up the Catholic identity within our program, um, building that new Catholic standard that I talked about, and then working to provide the best Catholic health plan experience that really can't be found in other health solutions. So one last question. Um, you mentioned earlier that Genesis is for self-insured organizations. Will CBA ever have a Catholic health insurance product that is available to all employers or and, and even to all people, per se? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, look, we needed a we needed a starting point. We needed to get entered into this health plan space uh, in order to influence and change the status quo. And the self insured space offers the most flexibility uh, in that area. Beyond the health plan, I would say, uh, from a self insured plan perspective, what this allows us to do is an even greater opportunity to invite the Catholic community to participate in our solution. I talked about NCBC and CMA, um, but also Catholic physicians, clinics, and other services um, to play in this space. Uh, I think when you do that, it allows those organizations to thrive, and that's what we need right now. Um, but from a fully insured market, which is usually a smaller employer space to an individual market or family, you know, individual families, mm-hmm. You know, that area is much more regulated at this time. As Genesis grows and we get the the funding to be able to tear down some of those other walls, I think we'll have a greater opportunity to uh, to do that. So um, it's on our radar. It's something that is in our in our aim. Um, it is further down the road uh, before we can get there. Yeah. Just a, a clarification question. I've always wondered. How many, in terms of your your membership, your Catholic employer membership, how many of them are self-insured? So um, with those that have health plans, we've probably got about 60% um, of the total membership is on a self-insured plan. Really? That's a lot higher than I thought it would be. Well, it is because because we have 62 dioceses um, that have a larger employee base, so that's why. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jason, any final words of wisdom for our audience? Yeah, you know, I talked a lot about our health plan, and we've talked about Catholic identity. If, if I'm going to give any bit of advice, um, I, I guess I would give a plug to Catholic healthcare overall. Um, you know, we we could we could talk a bit about the attacks that are on medical consciousness today, and some of the challenges that our Catholic physicians and clinics, et cetera, are going through. Um, 
And, and although we don't have a solution for those individuals, their families, and some of the smaller employer groups as of yet, other than the CBA protections, mm-hmm. um, that really shouldn't prevent those folks from seeking out true family uh, uh, Catholic health care. Um, I think this is extremely important. If you've not had an opportunity to experience Catholic health care, um, Check out some of the Catholic care models that are out there today. Bella Clinic here in Denver, St. Gianna Clinic in in Green Bay, um, Whole Life Authentic Care. Um, If you don't have a Catholic clinic in your area and need to want to experience what true Catholic healthcare is, um, our great friends at MyCatholicDoctor.com is a um, telehealth solution that provides urgent care, women's care, um, COVID-19 testing, all over the phone. Um, so experience it because, you know, with the pressures that we're facing uh, as Catholic employers, with the pressures that physicians are pay- facing in today's world under medical conscious, you know, Catholic healthcare needs needs your, your attention. You, um, they need you as patients, and uh, I would seek them out. They will take great care of you. And uh, I have to give that plug because... It really is our future, and uh, we're on the front lines on the insurance side of things. They're on the front lines on caring for our Catholic families. So uh, seek seek out their care is, would be my uh, advice. Shannon, any final words of wisdom for our audience? I would um, kind of echo what Jason has said and, and really take a look at, um, you know, continuing to be able to protect the, the rights that you have as a Catholic employer um, through getting in touch with the CBA. You know, we're here to, our whole mission is to, uh, to help Catholic employers. Um, and we can only do that if we get to have the conversation around um, what we might be able to help with. And then, of course, um, looking at how um, we can be instrumental in providing the religious liberty protections. Shannon Sizek and Jason Kuhn, thank you for your time today. And where can people get in touch with you? So uh, they can get in touch with us either at the uh, CBA's website, catholicbenefitsassociation.org. You can also get in touch with us through the Catholic Insurance Company website if you're looking at uh, Catholic Health Plan at the catholicinsurancecompany.org as well. Um, And uh, Mandy uh, Cox is our is our uh, director of member services. Uh, she's always on the phone line waiting for your call. <laughs> um, so feel free to reach out to us uh, by phone as well. Again, that's catholicbenefitsassociation.org. For more information on these topics and other bioethical issues, please visit our website, ncbcenter.org, and subscribe to our publications, Ethics and Medics, and the National Catholic Bioethics Quarterly. The views expressed on bioethics on air are not necessarily those of the National Catholic Bioethics Center. If you have comments or questions about this or any of our podcasts, or if you have suggestions for future topics, please contact me, your host, Joe Zalot, at jzalot at ncbcenter.org. For archived editions of our podcasts, please go to our website, hover on the Blogs and Podcasts button, and then click Bioethics on Air. Finally, please remember that the NCBC has a 24-hour consultation service. You can contact us by phone at 215-877-2660 or by going to our website, again, ncbcenter.org, and clicking on Ask a Question. Thank you for listening today, 
and may God's peace be with you.